You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Back, back, run like a wild man. I watched the struggle and I watched you wrestle with them angels. From Auburn University, Bo Jackson. <laughs> The correct Jordan-Hare Stadium time is 8.41 p.m. Central Daylight Time. Your digital audio device is tuned to the Orange and True podcast harbored by your friends at collegeofmagnolia.com. Greetings and salutations, Orange and Truthers. It is I, Drew Croson, at Crow 2 on Twitter, at Crow on Venmo. To one side of me through the magic of the internet, the rumor monger, Ryan Starrett, at Ryan S. Starrett. The S stands for still doing this to the other Still, side of me almost 100 episodes <laughs> the other side of me also through the ether giving you full fort Payne asmr chief do you read me you saying you want a piece of me <laughs> r.i.p r.i.p frank hey you chief how are you today i'm doing all right doing, doing huh? just fine good on today's show we get into it. We've got a lot to cover today, boys, and we have a special guest to help us cover it. We're bringing in guests now because we have run out of content because there are zero sports. And our one of our guests we're bringing in is a guy named Thomas Northcutt, student manager for the Auburn basketball team, 2014-2018. Probably one of the two winningest four-year stretches in Auburn basketball history, I would say. Maybe 15-19. to 19. Or 16 to 20 would have something to say about that, but I would say 14 to 18 nothing to sniff at. Yeah. Somebody had to get them started. Now currently a graphic designer for Rutgers Athletics. Go Knights. Mr. Thomas Northcutt. Uh, thank you for letting me be your backup plan. I am so honored <laughs> to know that I am who you call when you have no other options. I'm flattered, <laughs> honestly. Well, I sent a DM to Jared, and he hasn't gotten back to me, so you're... <laughs> It, get used to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I figured. Uh, Jared, I love you. If you happen to listen to this, please. There's a zero percent chance Jared Harper topic. listens to this program. I know. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, just got to do another song and send it to him. I don't even know if he knows the song. Besides the fact that people played it for him. Uh, I mean, the band Bruce. Right. I mean, it was that was what he that was Bruce's speech after the the, the uh, Kentucky game. How do yeah. how do you not how can he not know it? If the I'm not mis- part about if, it, oh, oh right. go for it, Chief. Well, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Rutgers one of the first games of the Tony Barbie era? Sure, I, yeah, <laughs> that was that what you're right. A rough segue there. Did, did, he, did he? He started in '09, didn't he? Or yeah. did he, was it, okay. So it was the year after. So never mind. I was just Tom. thinking about it. When we were talking about Rutgers, I just kept thinking. I was like, I, I know we played them in basketball at some point. And I went to the game. So, anyway. Thomas, oh we, have a, we have a number of questions to ask you um, on our show notes. Like, dozens, it looks like. 
That's what I see. I'm ready for this. Let's bring it on. Well, the first question I want to ask you, most importantly, what's it like to be part of the backbone of Auburn Twitter? <laughs> so, here's here's the thing. Here's the most important story behind that. Sure. I am the reason that phrase exists Great. at all. Um, yeah, a couple it. of all us. Right. Uh, I I I am the original tweet. If you look up the backbone of Auburn Twitter with a trademark symbol, my tweet is the one that started it all. It was. A-Day weekend, 2018, my senior year. Um, December of 2017, a big group of us had this ridiculous Twitter thread where we tweeted about uh, the perfect Auburn wedding, which included um, having, I believe it's the nun officiate, inside the Boom Boom Room at Sky Bar. Um, and as the, as the bride is walking down the aisle, having the eagle fly, um, among other things. But eventually we all got in a group DM, whatever. There's just a, it was just a group of friends. We all met up A-Day weekend, had a great time on A-Day. Next day, we got together, ate brunch, as anybody does. And afterward, we went and took some photos around campus just for yucks. I tweeted that as a joke. Just like, I mean, who puts a trademark on their tweet? Except for, <laughs> Apparently you. I, yeah. Only people with the clearest sarcastic intentions. And... Little did I know that it would become a quintessential meme in uh, Auburn folklore. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Auburn Twitter is a, um, is a, can be a nasty place. Oh yeah. (laughs) Both, both in every way to just, to define that word nasty. It can be all of those things. (laughs) (laughs) It's Twitter is, a beautiful place and when you hit certain parts it's it's like in the lion king the kingdom is where all the light touches but you don't go where the light doesn't touch exactly. there are certain parts of all parts of twitter where you just are like it's dark over there i'm gonna i'm gonna stay over here so what what about the part that uh steals content maybe just theoretically um mm, maybe a graphic that you made just a couple there. of us have had their content stolen on this there, there are certain people who just they they don't quite know the correct way of crediting people. Um, oh, they know sharing they know. their opinions in a way that doesn't get all of their followers like shut up. Uh, but <laughs> some people need to stick to the content aggregation. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I only have the one content, and it keeps getting stolen. So I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know what it must be like to have more than one content. I, I can't see it, so I, I have been blocked for many years now. Uh, oh, who hasn't? I don't think I've been blocked. I think I Not finally got blocked a couple of years ago now. It took me, I tried and I tried because I, I tried really hard and I finally yeah. got blocked. Here's the most important question. is it Does it mean more to be blocked by them or by Tony Barbie? Ooh, uh, by them, because I think Tony used some sort oh, of like, I am blocked. I think Tony used some sort of, uh, I don't block list or something. Cause I got blocked and I'd never said anything to him. Like, I don't, so he I, just blocked like all of AU Twitter. Somehow. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, cause you can use block list somehow you can, there's things you can do that just go through and block a bunch of different right. people. So right. he must've done that. Because the only right. only thing I'd ever done is tweet who saw it burn, but I didn't even at him, and then I was blocked. So who saw it burn? Maybe he just searched that <laughs> term. Well, I I wouldn't be surprised if he had like 
a manager or an intern or someone up at Kentucky, someone in the social media department, take his his phone over, his, his Twitter account over, and just like set it up for him. Yeah, that's funny because I thought he was the intern at Kentucky. Oh, reggae horn. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks, thanks for the clarification. <laughs> Tom, hey, Thomas. Um. Did any players, this is a question that we have on here that actually Chief and I talk about a lot. Did any players openly complain while at Auburn about not getting to wear their Nikes? Um, you know, when I was there, nobody ever necessarily complained about having to wear Under Armour. Yes, we had we complained about some of their stuff at the beginning. When I first started, their stuff was hot garbage in some capacities. I mean, you look at, genuinely, when you look at when they first signed on, we talk about it. Uh, we talked about it a lot whenever I was a manager. Uh, there's, like, multiple ACL tears on the basketball court uh, for our men's and women's team in that time frame uh, when they first signed on. And it was, their stuff wasn't that comfortable at first. Like, even their tennis shoes. The first pair of shoes I ever got when I started as a manager, like, the there was I had matching holes in the pinky toes within, like, a month of getting them. They're awful. <laughs> but the one good thing that happened is Steph Curry. Uh, yeah. I became a, a Closet Warriors fan, be, not because I have any rooting interest, but because the better Steph Curry did, the better their gear got. Yeah. <laughs> and the shoes got so much better. The gear got so much better. I rooted openly for the Warriors in the finals every year, and I stand by that because <laughs> it meant that we got better stuff the next year if they won. And it, it that, that stuff really helped out. By the time I graduated, everyone was pretty happy with it, really comfortable. Um, the complaints really came not to uh, wearing Under Armour, but having to wear the same color or having to like try and match. Um, eventually, we gave up on that. But yeah, I'm, right. I, I've complained for a long time about how they they just they don't make shoes with our colors. Like they just don't. They just. It's like Tennessee orange or like a, a different like nothing matches quite right. And it, it bothers me yeah, still to this it's, day. It's it's one of those things that I've learned over the years. It's hard to match like certain color. Like, and this is just me getting into like the nitty gritty of like the industry talk. But it's like certain colors of like fabrics or certain yeah. colors of like, you know, how they dye the rubber or X, Y or Z. They're not going to be able to find, you know, the perfect, you know, color combo of any shade, really. I mean, you look at most teams, if you look like the colors like even like you look at what Nike does with with different schools that are red. I guarantee you that Alabama's jerseys are the same co- color as Arizona's. Like sure. it's that yeah. same shade of red. Our our jerseys at Rutgers wind up being the same color as anyone else on Adidas who wears red. So it's Louisville, uh, Louisville. Nebraska, uh, yeah, Indiana. Even you know it all winds up being about the same, just because that's that's the way that the the producers sort of wind up making stuff. So uh, there's just a guy in Taiwan. Got the one red. So, so you're telling me Dwight Howard was not a, a big enough player to make a, a the Under Armour product better? Because he uh, was there, he was their big guy before. They, Steph was Curry. he on Under Armour? Yeah, I don't remember him. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember DeAndre Jordan was an Under Armour guy early too. Dwight Howard he switched was, to Jordan, and they had just the, the awfulest worst shoes. Now they uh, got they got a what's his name. Joel Embiid and his shoes are oh. gross looking. But oh, do, hey, do not disrespect Atlanta Hawks legend Kent Bazemore. 
Yes, oh, he was an Under oh. Armour guy. And Brandon Jennings. Remember, Brandon Jennings had the Did they have the original. signature shoes? Dwight Howard had a signature shoe. Steph Jennings was the did. first one that ever had, like, the full line of anything when yeah, I was there. Yeah. Like, we, I, I don't remember anything else before that. It was all, like, the... Oh, they all those they have the same names, like you know, the vapor wave or the the hyper dunk. Yeah. Uh, that's Nikes, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like all of them have those Nike buzzword speech. phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have a uh, pair of Curry Sixes. I actually like them a lot. I, I always by the time I graduated, like Under Armour shoes really solid. Um tennis shoes are great. Guys never really complained about the shoes by the time we got to the the end of my time there. They 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 came they've come a long way. Um, the big the big thing I like to say is, and I, I think I'm stealing this from someone else, but you can really tell that Nike was a program that started out as a shoe company that grew into other things, whereas Under Armour was like a clothing company that grew into right. shoes. Right. Right. Yeah, I can't even remember when we signed the deal. If if I don't even think they made shoes at that time. Let me tell you what happened, Chief. This is. <laughs> oh yeah, you've heard the story. You, you were you were in the. Uh, in the in the trenches when this I was happened. in the belly of the beast when this happened, but one of the funniest things ever was our first year on the Under Armour deal in Lebo's years. The team wore the for the very first year they wore whatever they wanted. So some guys were yeah, in Nike, some guys were whatever. It was which just is just like hilarious. when we were on Russell. Like a high school team. Yeah. The second year they wore and one. Oh God. <laughs> Auburn was one oh, of the only in oh. one sneaker company. Were they all in uh, mixtape, baby? And if you look at the pictures, that was also back when, oh, like, awful. everyone was wearing the baggiest shorts. Yeah. So, like, um, did we sign? Did we sign a Dwayne deal Reed? With I remember one? Dwayne Reed having like his shorts came down mid mid shin, and then his in one tight cheese. I mean, it, it was dope, but it was you know, <laughs> team one very good. Did baggy did, jerseys, baggy shorts, and ones, high socks was the did, look. Did we have a deal with and one or did uh Yeah, we Under had a deal Ar- with and one. Okay. I didn't know if we had it or if Under Armour like somehow made a deal with I believe it. I, I I might be speaking <clears throat> out of school here, but I believe that they had a deal with Auburn where Auburn could sign deals for apparel that mm-hmm. Under Armour did not make. Right. That sounds right. So like track the track team wore, wore Nike spikes, and Mike to this day still wore Nike spikes. I don't know the, why um, you wouldn't. I, I, I think I, I think they do because Under Armour doesn't really do the track and field stuff. Right. I know a lot of those contracts still apply for for like you look at swimming, you look right. at um, equestrian. Yeah. Yeah. It makes so sense. I mean, like, Under, and so basketball Armour is part of that. Coming out. So basketball had a had and had and one sneakers, and then they were the, they had. You can look on eBay. You can still sometimes find the Auburn um, Under Armour sneakers that actually have the AU logo on them that were from like the that first, first first Brandon Jennings edition Under Armour shoe. Wow. Now, is this at the same time that they put in the Crocs stickers inside of uh, Beard Eves? That is my favorite Maybe. part yes. of Beard Eves. It's not anything in the arena. It's in yes. the concourse. They have Crocs, Auburn Crocs stickers on the floor. <laughs> Dude, that arena, the beef, as I called it. Oh, the beef. Not a not a great spot. <laughs> Still it's, standing. It looks great. Like it looks way more like a sporting venue from the outside than Auburn Arena does. Yeah. And and when I wa- ride by it, I'm like, man, it looks so cool, but, and it looks gigantic. It looks like a coliseum. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what it is. 
Yeah, they could flood it and have naval battles inside of it. <laughs> uh, I, right. I mean, they used to play ice hockey in there, right? So, Ryan, ask Tom. you have any questions for Thomas? Ryan, ask yeah. Thomas a question. Okay. <laughs> ask me a question, Ryan. Thomas, you're a Tennessee guy, right? Uh, by birth? By birth, yes. So how did you end up at Auburn? Um, long story short, uh, the, just to clarify for the people at home, uh, I am a descendant of three generations of Tennessee grads. Oh, uh, right. Oh yeah. I grew, I was born in Knoxville. My parents met at Tennessee. Um, you know, I, I grew up ride or die, Bruce Pearl, whatever, whoever was the coach at the time, mostly Phil Fulmer. We don't really acknowledge anything <laughs> after that. Um, Not and a big dually gay. I, I owned the orange pants, man. I'll, I'll own up to that. <laughs> I had a pair. I think I wore them better, but, um, you know, I, I also did not have an accompanying, accompanying stool with mine. So, uh, to sit on and on sidelines and everything. But, um, now my family, when I was in about, uh, just about to start eighth grade, well, during, during the middle of like the 08 recession and all that, my dad lost his job. He's an electrical engineer. And uh, as you do when you're an engineer and you need a job, you move to Huntsville, Alabama. And so right before eighth grade, my family moved down to, to Huntsville. Um, I was, you know, I was a I was ride or die Tennessee up until about my senior year um, when I sort of realized that a um, out of state tuition is expensive. Um, and I just knew that it was not going to be fun to pay that off and i also have two younger sisters and i was like i don't want my parents to have to pay a ton for me and then have them come after that um but the fun story for me is uh tennessee actually lost my transcript when i applied i applied there in like july or june or whenever it opened the day i they're used to losing stuff from alabama yeah Uh, (laughs) you can say that again uh the uh the day I got my acceptance letter to the University of Tennessee um, was the day of the 2013 uh, last week of the regular season for football. Um, I had been invited to my first Iron Bowl party, oh. and I was wearing an Auburn shirt the moment my mom handed me a letter that was just that bright orange. And I go, <laughs> I think this is a sign. <laughs> and then I watched the game. And then I was like, you know... I think someone's trying to make a point here. Uh, and as Chris Davis, uh, you know, was carried by angels across that field, uh, <laughs> I realized my destiny. Um, and now that was, the, that was actually the moment where I was like, all right, I know I, I had already fallen in love with the campus tour and and everything, but yeah. um, that was, I mean, who doesn't it's, it's, it's a great place. And uh, the, we fast forward to about March, and I was already trying to become a basketball manager. And they announced that the new guy who had who had uh, been hired was uh, <laughs> was my boy from my boy Bruce. About a month later, I I got uh, a call, and they they hired me as the manager, and the rest is history. Well, I guess that answers my question. You're are not re- related to former Auburn kicker Brian Northcutt, then. <laughs> Uh, not that I'm aware of. The, the way I introduce myself to every single person in Auburn is, hi, I'm Thomas Northcutt, like the realtors, not related. 
because my number one fear is somebody going, are you related to those people? Yeah, yeah. They screwed me out of so much money. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like my, my, my face is all I really have some days. So uh, I like to try and keep that in a nice condition. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't believe a single person in, um, in Lee County has ever gotten their deposit back. Oh, no, never. Period. Never. Not I ever. don't care. It doesn't matter who your realtor is or who your agency mm. is. You're not getting your deposit back. Nah, the the yeah. trick to getting away from North Coast is just go to the trailer life. Out of Ridgewood, oh. Gentilly. <laughs> I they wish. can't get you there. One, one of my own uh, personal regrets is that I did not try to become a manager at Auburn. So why don't you tell us how what the process to doing that is? <laughs> like, do you just apply? Do you have to interview? What do you do it's, to do that? It's actually changed since I was being involved uh, and starting to get involved. Um, I started reaching out to people when I was a senior in high school. I had been a high school manager at uh, Grissom High School for four years, okay. uh, Virgil I represent. Uh, but the when I reached out and I was first applying and everything, Tony Barbie was still the head coach. Um, and I actually had a meeting set up with the coaching staff for my when I was on spring break. I was going down to visit. I was meeting with different departments and everything for you know the academics or whatever but uh the uh uh, but the people i i I was supposed to meet with um were all unemployed when i got down there um but and and i i I always there's two people who i'm always very thankful for um they're both still in in the arena and i know they're probably not listening to this but uh, bianca webb and bridget graba uh, I love you both. Thank you. Uh, Bianca was a manager at the time, and Bridget has been the receptionist for men's basketball for uh, as long as her husband has been the gymnastics coach. I was going to ask uh, any any me. relation. It, the they 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 kind of they 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 live together, I guess. There's no uh, one listening to this. Yeah, you never know. It's just uh, nice. <laughs> they uh, but they they wound up passing my information on to Todd Golden. Um, and I called a lot, um, probably too much, just trying to make sure, just trying to talk to Todd. Um, and eventually they, they honored the commitment of the old staff who was going to hire me. And so I always say thank you to them because I, you know, I, that's how I got in nowadays. I think you have to email, not sure who would be responsible, but, uh, I get asked all the time still who, who I would reach out to, um, uh, whoever is the director of operations is generally a good person to go to. You send your, your email um, you, you send an email with your resume and say you're interested, um, which, you know, your resume is, I was a basketball player for four years in high school and I was a lifeguard and uh, I, I might've worked at an ice cream shop in the summer. Those are my but, qualifications. Uh, can, can I, can I still be a manager now? I mean, <laughs> as, long, as long as you say, I, I like basketball and I will take it seriously. Then they'll at least, I mean, that, that's the first thing it takes. I think now they'll bring you in for an interview and they'll sit you down with a couple people. Um, and if they think you're good, they'll bring you in. Um, like I said, I got real lucky with mine. So I, my, my process was way different than anybody else's. Right. But, um, well, you got in on the ground floor of, uh, uh, of a nice little, uh, project too. Oh, it, it's, I, we went in and I was there from, from the very beginning. Um, you know, I remember being in the arena the night that coaches show, uh, show cause got lifted. Uh, yeah. I remember, uh, you know, they were always asking coach about what it takes to, to, you know, change a, change a program around, take it from, you know, the ground up and, and change a culture. You know, we're trying to redefine a culture of, of basketball in Auburn. Yeah. You know, we had Charles Barkley and 
So trying to take people away from just Charles and having, you know, 15 years of, of the lack of success, um, you know, we, we being around Coach Charles is incredible. That man in uh, love him to death. He's he's such just a nice guy, and he's very genuine, and he knows how to market the hell out of a program. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that man – and me, my degrees in marketing, so I'm just sitting here like, wow, you're <laughs> really good. <laughs> Should have gotten class credit for it. I, I wish. The thing I, I noticed about him pretty early on, and I've told the story on, on the pod before, I think, but is that his he, he is nice and everything that you just said, but he also doesn't accept anything but the best uh, mm-hmm. from everybody. Oh, yeah. And, and that that's something that really had to change, uh, and within Auburn basketball specifically, and and it took a while, but I, you know, and I'm sure you saw it take a while, uh, oh, yeah. but yeah. It, I think it is finally fully settled in now. The 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 big thing you got to do with those is you got to have guys that'll buy in, um, you know, and and it takes a while, you know, especially when you're coming in with guys from someone else's coaching staff, they're not sure. always going to buy in right off the bat. Um, and thankfully, you know, we had a great guy and like someone like KT who yeah. really rallied the troops and, and was, he was bought in from day one. Um, and I'm really glad that he's been brought back as a GA cause he's going to be phenomenal for that program. I, I, awesome. KT is one of the hardest working people I've ever met and one of the sweatiest, but that's not the point. <laughs> uh, Speaking well, of great yeah, guys, he's got to go up against Bruce. Speaking of great guys, what was the Simeon Bowers era like? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, cinnamon toast Bowser. What a guy. Um, <laughs> he is a character. Um, it, you know, it's one of those things where if, if, when he put his mind to something, he was amazing. And he had the raw talent. You know, um, I, I genuinely remember watching him, like, on his senior day, looking around and being like, man, if I had, like, like he said something to the extent of like, man, if I had like exerted myself a little bit harder, I could have been going for 20 and 10 every night. And he, he I, you know, we all were kind of like, yeah, um, <laughs> he was, he, he, that dude was just a monster. Uh, just size wise. That dude was huge and it, a absolute mess. So point uh, God. That Arkansas game might go down as one of the most <laughs> underrated games in Auburn basketball history. Point he plays in Serbia? I think yeah, so. He's, he's been all still, over. Yeah. Well, playing he was playing in, in the U.S. In for, a, for a while. Wasn't he on he a played in the G League, League for a couple of years? Yeah. Now. yeah. He played yeah, he in that a, TBT last year or two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he for was, uh, Marquette. Yeah. He was, he was on the he's, – he's from Racine, Wisconsin. So he was up right. there and he played for the uh, – the, the the whatever the herd they the, yeah, the Wisconsin herd. It was the Mar- Marquette yeah. team, I think, wasn't it? Well, well he was on, like you played for the Bucks. Oh, yeah. I got you. I got you. Um, he was something else. Um, you know, it's it's so funny seeing all those guys go all over the place too. I mean, Antoine Mason at the time, you know, he's he's been over in Canada, uh, killing it for the Halifax Hurricanes the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I, I genuinely like. I still keep up with all of them just because you know those guys have gone all over. Uh, I mean, even guys like Horace playing down in Argentina this year and, and tearing it and, up in Argentina yeah. too. But that he, he's he's I, I, all I'm saying is I love Horace. Horace is, is my guy. I mean, yeah. that guy's and his child is one of my favorite people I've ever met. <laughs> Avery Spencer is 
an incredible child. Uh, and he's got great parents that are going to just love him to death. But the uh, him and classic Malik out there in Germany has been playing well. And yeah, uh, uh, that that was an era that I really loved. Like when, when being on the court with Horace and Malik out there before games, those guys are so much fun. Those guys are like, you know, those are your energy guys. They're out there. You know, there's the all the classic clips of Malik singing, but that was an everyday thing. Like every game, uh, you know, I I remember being in the locker room. The first time the, the Let's Get It song was really sung was we were at uh, Mississippi <laughs> State my my uh, that my senior year. Yeah, his first year. I was in the locker room cleaning up and he started singing that song and all of our guys just slowly started bopping to it. And it was so much fun. I go back and watch the video from that all the time because there's this incredible clip of Chuma dancing in his locker. (laughs) And it is hilarious. And Chuma and I watched that, like on the plane ride back, we watched that video over and over, just watching him dancing in the locker room. And then at the very end, if you watch it, he's blowing kisses to the fans in our our section in Starkville. And I'm like, Chuma... Like we're just sitting back on the back of the plane laughing the whole time. The, those guys are so much fun to be around. Yeah, Who man. was your favorite player to ever work with, like in, in pregame or in practice? Or uh, I, I mean, think I know the answer. But. Well, there's there's a few. Um, I worked out a ton with KT his senior okay. year. Um, KT worked so hard. I mean, I would be in there every day. We'd be in there for an hour and a half doing a workout during the season, after the season, you know. Going and I go. I'm gonna circle back to this. When I say he is the sweatiest man I've ever met, sweatier than Coach Pearl, that KT would go through seven towels in an hour and a half long workout. (laughs) Like I literally had to hang towels up to dry just so they might be me dry by the end of the end of the workout. But KT worked so hard and he was so much fun to be with. He was really smart guy, really quiet and really you know just grinded. Um, Anthony. He and I had the pregame routine my my junior and senior year of going in and shooting before every game. Um, I Ryan and I have joked about it before, but uh, Anthony's highest three point field goal percentage was uh, during my senior year when we were every game without fail out there shooting before games. Yeah, look so, what happened when he left. <laughs> I'm I'm not saying, <laughs> but. If somebody was to say that I am the architect of the Anthony Macklemore (laughs) 3, I wouldn't argue necessarily. (laughs) I would say, no, don't give me that much credit. But, I, I, you know, it's not a bad uh, (laughs) – those guys are great. I mean – So you taught Anthony Macklemore the shooting form that reminds me of the Death Star warming up? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's what he made them. That's when he made yeah. him when he tried to shorten it up. It I doesn't didn't work anymore. Tear, I, <laughs> I didn't I didn't teach him that, but I I was at, we got so many shots up that year. Um the I still think one of the, the, the most heartbreaking moments for me was that South Carolina game. I was there mm-hmm. and I uh, just that whole moment, that whole day was just a, a mess. But the uh the the next game I was out there I always got out there really early to to wait on guys because guy you never know when guys are gonna come start warming up but Anthony without fail was always the first guy out there and I just remember standing out there before that I guess it was the Bama game was the next game uh, and I just remember standing out there and waiting and just I waited like an extra ten fifteen minutes before anybody else came out there just by myself and it was just like 
Uh, and eventually he came hobbling out on crutches like halfway through the warm up. But I was just, I just remember being there like, eh, buddy. Uh, it was, uh, it was, th- those guys are great. I mean, Anthony, anyone on those, that, that 2017, 2018 team, um, you know, I, I love those guys. It was even to the point like last year, uh, uh, St. John's came and played at Rutgers. And I know a couple of the St. John's managers, and I get a text from one of them out of nowhere, and it's like, hey, Mustafa wanted me to text you and make sure that he knows that he needs to see you before the game. (laughs) And uh, I go down there before the game because I was working that night. I was going to take photos, and I hear from across the gym, Thomas! (laughs) And I turn around, and it's Stoff, and I go over, dab him up, give him a hug. And so, I mean, all those guys are just – there there was there's so many guys that I was really glad to work with. I mean, so many of those guys, especially those last few years, were just such good guys. Um, you know, they always brought, you know, really positive energy. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I try and stay in contact with as many of them as I can. Um, you know, I, I've done work for a couple guys, and I still talk to as, as a few of them whenever uh, the time pops up. But um, and, and they all know that if they ever need anything, I got their back and, and vice versa. So, um it, it's it's you know we we always say it but it's it's genuinely a family and uh it, it's something that i'm i'm really thankful for even to this day i have a mustafa heron question yes um <laughs> it's like a press conference i have a mustafa heron question if mustafa comes back number one auburn national champs um beats virginia sure but are they conference champs this year with Mustafa Heron as a senior it's you know it's so hard to say it's so hard to say because Mustafa leaving opened up the lineup for other guys coming in yeah. um you know I think that was Javon's scholarship right that's uh, true probably Samir was already there as Samir yeah, yeah, Davion Mitchell yeah, was Javon's scholarship was, yeah uh, Davion would have been his which it that it's also so exciting to see like guys like Davion tearing it up down at uh, down at uh, Baylor this yeah. year and, and being number one in the country all year. Um, but the uh, I'm trying to think, I, you know, it's so hard to say just because, you know, how does that affect the lineup? How does that affect yeah. where other guys go? You know, that, just, that's just what some... I that's what I think. I, I don't even I don't know that it means we won a national championship because I don't know. You just don't know how everything works together. Mustafa um, would hopefully. Bruce would have played Mustafa at the two. Because then Chuma can still cook at three. So you have Jared, Mustafa. You, well, what, what about Bryce? Bryce? But what about and Bryce? Bryce is your sixth man. No. Playing against uh, other guys. See, Mustafa no. playing the three as, as opposed to Samir yeah. or Malik. Yeah. Bri- Bryce is not, not starting. <laughs> Bryce, you tell him right now, Bryce Brown coming in off the bench. Bryce's defense was a million times better than that, That's the thing that people forget about. Bryce Brown is the one of the top five greatest three-point shooters in SEC basketball history. Um, uh, you can you can put that, at, you know, take that to the bank. I'll stand by that. <laughs> him and Chris Lofton are two of the best guys I've ever seen through the basketball. But um, the when when you look at his defense, that kid was – Incredible, I mean, and, and I know. Okay, then you bring stuff off the bench, but I think you still got to play him at the two. No, I mean, you bring Malik guard. and Samir off the bench. Yeah, Malik, that's, that's the option. The stuff yeah. is not sticking around for a third year to not start. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's it's so hard to tell just based off of you know what happens with yeah 
so many things. I mean, and, and, you know, he comes back. How does that affect chemistry? How does that affect X, Y, or Z? Uh, there's, there's so many, like, small things you've got to, like, factor into it. It's, it's, it's hard to say. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't really know. Uh, it also depends if you're asking regular season or, or, co- or a tournament because those are two different animals. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. All right, well, we got to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to have more questions for Thomas. And we're back 35 minutes and 14 seconds into this program. All right, Mr. Northcutt, what's the best road environment you've been to? Best road environment? The SEC, Big Ten. Well, I'll tell you this. One of my favorite road games that we ever played, Murray State. Murray <laughs> I'm not kidding. This was when Ja Morant was – the year before Ja Morant became Ja Morant. Yeah. Uh, he was still insane. But that atmosphere was insane. You know, it was the first time an SEC team had come to Murray in 30 years. They had T-shirts. They were selling, you know, everything from that game. Those fans were so fired up. It was uh, it was incredible, and that that game was a mess. We finished that game with five players, because pretty much outside of the walk-ons, because uh, Horace got ejected. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Anthony hit his head on the rim, blocking a shot, and got a concussion. Uh, <laughs> Deshaun Murray was having full body cramps, and. Yeah. I want to say Stoff was hurt in some capacity. I think Musafa got hurt that game. So our five on the floor were uh, freshman Chuma, Jared, Bryce, uh, Davion Mitchell at the two, and uh, who would have been the center? Um, well, not Horace. Uh, it it might have been Malik at center. For like the last <laughs> that five, sounds six, right. Eight. That does sound right. Because this I, is when Austin and Dangel are both suspended. Yes, so you know, they weren't even guys. on the. They weren't even on the trip. Right, right. That that game that wasn't a uh, Cole Blackstock playing center. He honestly might have got two minutes that game. <laughs> like we we might have needed him for a breather at the end. Best of like tackler a, on the basketball team. <laughs> hey, don't don't bash Big Cole. Big Cole <laughs> is, is Big Country's one of my favorites. Hey, I I feel like I'm the only one that remembers that he almost won the three point contest at the at the Pearl Jam. <laughs> He was this oh close God. to beating Kareem Canty in the three-point contest. Uh, I forgot about that, man. That so much of that is it, it all comes flooding back. It all runs together after a while. Yeah, yeah. Man, there's so much of that. Um, I'm trying to think what else though. Um, I always agree with Anthony on his quotes on playing at Alabama. The most fun part about playing there is when you beat them. Oh yeah. Uh, I remember getting called uh, a glorified uh, was, glorified ball boy. No, not that. That was somebody that was else. from an Auburn fan. That was from a, <laughs> an Auburn fan. That was still my favorite Twitter header I've ever had. Uh, <laughs> Cody, I love you. Um, but the uh, they called it. I was I had to sit on the end of the bench that game because of however the seats lined up back there. Uh, so it was me and Pat and Will McCoy, Pat Kime and Will McCoy, and they were calling us. Uh, it was like. Glorif- it was like glorified, you know, high schooled, whatever. There were so many just names being thrown at us. It's it's men with like small children right next to them. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, the I remember like there was one year I was 
so petty. And I, like, made eye contact with this dude that had been yelling at us all game, and I gave him a nice little wave at the end. <laughs> and then I went and found a broom and put it in the locker room after we swept them that year. Uh, if anybody ever wants to know, there's a broom that's – if you go around the corner outside of the our locker room in, where, in Coleman Coliseum, they have a little utility, utility area back there. There's a push broom and maybe another broom. I don't remember, but uh, – Is this where so, the, uh, the sweet video came from? That was the year after oh, I Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but what, now, where is that in relation to where they land the uh, or park the airplanes in there? <laughs> it is about um, so th- where we are is like the concierge desk. Oh, okay, um, all right, sure. That that place is a mess. Um, trying to think what other good places we went. Um, you know, there's there's so many. Uh, I got to go to Hawaii where the Diamond Head Classic. That was a fun one. Um, oh God. The, What's the I, worst arena in the world, and why is it Vanderbilt? Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say that. I literally the worst place to work. You a don't game like sitting is, below the court. It's I don't like sitting on the baseline. You know, like going through the looking glass just to watch a basketball game. <laughs> I don't like. I already lose my voice in the game, but I don't want to lose my voice in the first half trying to yell at our guys. That that place. I, I mean, I grew up in Nashville. I grew up a Tennessee fan, so I already don't like Vanderbilt. <laughs> bunch of nerds. But that court, it is an incredible home court advantage, but it should be burned to the ground. Yeah, because it should the be against ashes, the rules. The ashes like, should be burned to the ground. It's like having a court that's a hill going one way. Yeah, sure, a bit of home court advantage, but uh, why would you do it? Well, and then the coaches are, like, pretty far away from their bench. So, they like, should, the assistants... It wasn't until, like, it wasn't until, like, my senior year that they made the rule where coaches can go out to their normal coaching box spot there. So it weird. Was, for the longest time, you could only be on the baseline, and they geez, should at their at their baseball field at Vandy. They should put the dugouts in the outfield. Yeah, sure. Yeah, concept. where the where the bullpen goes. Yeah, exactly. that's the entire yeah. dugout. The, the the part of the reason the catcher's got to run all the way down, across the field every inning. <laughs> the baseball stadium, the football stadium, and the basketball arena are like all right next to each other. There's no space in between them because it's all crammed into downtown Nashville. So they'll never be able to tell, tear that building down because it'll like you know. It'll infect Just the entire city. Just put the benches on the sidelines. It's not like it's an architectural issue. I don't think it's it's the it's the width of the court. It's it's dumb. It's so dumb. That how, place is awful. How is Tennessee's arena? It it because I've been to it once and it did not seem that nice. It's huge, isn't it? It's well, they've been renovating it a, a okay. bunch in the last couple of years. So like my senior year um, was the first time I ever got to go up there. And they had just redone all the visitors' locker rooms. Uh, okay. the, the entire bottom floor is redone. It's honestly a really nice venue. Um, it's 20,000 seats. It's the biggest it's on-campus huge, yeah. arena in the country, I think. At least that's what it was when I was growing up and um, wearing the orange like that. Yeah, uh-huh. it, it's, it's really big. It just seemed – when I, I guess I went there in 2013. So it would have been before that, the renovations. It seemed like a place that had been there forever and was probably remodeled in the 70s. And That sounds that was, right. That if, if you want my honest opinion, too, Rep Arena is one of the most overrated venues in college sports. It is big and old. That's that it. makes sense. I buy it. The lock, their locker room is insane. We walked back to their locker room and we had shoot around there. That, it's not fair. They literally, the floor walking into their locker room is the lane from their last national championship. Um, and they have, a, they have a wall with all their NBA players under Coach Cal. And that was in 2014, 2015, when it was, 
you know, the year that you know, Willie Colley Stein's on the team. So yeah. they've added even more of there since. But outside of that, it's a pain in the butt to work because <laughs> they, they don't let anybody sit behind the bench. We literally, if you watch like the film from that, there's four of us crammed on three of those tiny little bench stools because there's, they don't, they sell all the seats back there. The Gatorade, however, is right next to the coaches. So you have to like crawl in front of people to get there. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a big old dump. It, the fans are, the fans aren't even that great. Like, they they're well, I imagine uh, I imagine they're they're like Alabama fans. Like they're just not like the same group of people. The same people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they just uh, live in they live in the hills though. Oh man, they're out in the sticks. Um but that trip was fun because I got to watch Simeon Bauer start a snowball fight with everyone getting off the bus <laughs> after shoot around. So that was that was fun. Uh man. If you could have a video like a videotape or videotape, Ryan. They used to call Ooh, what the, what? Yeah, sorry. Back if to you the could have a death player. Right. If you could have the video file of the goings on in the locker room before halftime and after any game that you were in the locker room of, just show to people and go, this is why I love doing what I did. What game would it be? You know, I think of handful you know obviously i think of south carolina 2018 senior year that was amazing you know being a part of that that day was still incredible to me i i'll never forget that um how can you forget the giant fathead of your face (laughs) oh trust me i i think i might still have it somewhere i don't know nice um there's i mean and confetti gate lest we ever forget Mm -hmm. Uh, good old confetti gate but there's that um you know i think about the georgia game that year uh when we came out we were down like 20 and we came back bruce fired him up at halftime and uh came back and went on that big tear uh went on like a 25 to 2 run or whatever to start the second half um you know in any game where malik dunbar is singing in general uh, just anything with 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 Leek and Horace, those guys. Uh, Post game, being in the locker room after we beat LSU my freshman year in the SEC tournament, that was so much fun. Uh, just that whole that whole week, getting to be up. We stayed at the Opryland Hotel that week, um, and every morning I woke up having to do a twelve mile run across that whole building just to to get to the ho- the guitar conference room. But you know, it that was so much fun. Um, it, it's so hard to pick just because it, it, it's, you know, there's so many moments. And for me, too, one of my pregame traditions was always going in the locker room and I would clean up the locker room before Coach Pearl wanted it to look good for TV because he always had the TV cameras in there. So my job, I would always disappear when the guy started stretching with Coach D to go and clean up the locker room. And so I would, as silently as I can, clean up the locker room as, as Coach is writing his pregame plan on the whiteboard. And those are moments that I always remember too, just like I sitting in the locker room after I get, you know, water and Gatorade and everybody's lockers and make sure everybody's stuff is nice and clean, just sitting in there in the silence before the game, hearing the band play, hearing, you know, those, just those moments, watch it, hearing the squeak of the whiteboard, um, you know, having to, to just be around those moments, that brief 
pause of silence before the chaos that is game day. It, it's stuff like that that I just I wish I could just have have forever. Very nice. Well, guys, any more questions for Thomas? Like sell your... us on being a Rutgers fan. How, how would you sell an Auburn fan on cheering for Rutgers? Oh, right now, it when it comes to basketball, it's easy. Yeah. We've uh, when I started here, um, Steve Peichel had just been hired a couple years before, and they are in the exact same position Auburn was. You know, historically not doing so hot in basketball, um, and this team is coming around. Uh, we just landed Cliff Omarui, which when when they landed hit when he picked Rutgers over Auburn, I was surprised and amazed and so excited. I, I we were confident the whole time here, but you know it's it's one of those moments where you're like, okay, this is this is legit and would have made the tournament this year. Um, you know I, I've always seen them as two steps two years behind where Auburn was um, at the same time. So like when I first started here, it felt like my junior senior year where they're ironing things out. And they're, you know, they're they're one step away from making it. And then this year was that year where they made it. Granted, they didn't, you know, win the Big Ten, but the Big Ten this year is one of the best basketball conferences I've ever seen. Um, between that and then, I'll, I'll tell you, college wrestling, man. It, <laughs> college wrestling in wrestling in New Jersey is a whole other animal. Wrestling here is is people's life. They love wrestling up here in, in New Jersey and PA and watching wrestling in person up here. I, I, when I started here, I had no clue what was going on. I only have a little bit of a clue now, but <laughs> it is so much fun to just to, to be around it and watch it. And it's, it's different. It's going to take a while to sort of get used to it. But you, once you start to sort of understand what's going on and you, you get the intricacies of it and you sort of realize that it's a, like all the characters and unique personalities and people that are around the sport. It's a lot of fun. Nice. Chief, you have a question for Thomas? Uh, see on here. Uh, I feel like this is a setup. What are your thoughts on mama gold mama, mama Goldbergs? Man. Ooh. Okay. I like most people. I appreciate mama Goldbergs. I like the food. Just mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's good food. You can get a pitcher. It's a great time. The sandwiches there, I will say, are nothing extraordinary. Okay. I will be honest. I love, I, I will go and eat there. <laughs> you don't have to we, we have uh, the variety right. of opinions. Of I, it's my, granted, I also didn't grow up an Auburn fan. So I'm not the one of the people who's been indoctrinated in the church of Mama G um, since birth. Well, you, you and Ryan both are about 10 years too late to experience good Ma Mama Goldberg. So. And good Auburn Twitter. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Uh, a hot pistol hot take. As bro. a part of the backbone, I would like to disagree. <laughs> um, there's always good Auburn Twitter here. Uh, uh, yeah, Mama Goldberg's was good um, a long time ago. Um, and when they went corporate, they lost something and the sandwiches became different than they used to be. Frankly, they're not as soggy as they used to be. Um, and they're not made by dirty hippies. So, uh, that makes a big difference. That's the biggest difference. Now I will walk into Mama G's and know what I'm going to get by who's working there. If I don't smell patchouli when you're handing me my sandwich, I know it's not going to be good. <laughs> 
I put patchouli on today. As a matter of fact, Chief, I made you a sandwich. <laughs> I bet it'd been good. Right after my bike ride. Nice Damn. and soggy. <laughs> well, guys, it was, Thomas, it was nice having you on. It's so Don't be a stranger. Absolutely. If are we not going to hit any last dance before we go? Oh, we can talk a little last dance. All right, Thomas, M- MJ oh. or LeBron? What are we doing? What, what are we talking? Overall? Just MJ LeBron. No, just this is... answer the question. Okay. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this earlier because I saw it and I know it's controversial. <laughs> if we're going one-on-one, I'm sure. taking LeBron solely because of the size. Yeah, he's... He's, uh, yeah, right now too. My God, MJ weighs fifty-seven years old. Yeah, and he weighs about <laughs> as much as LeBron does, but he's half his size. Uh, oh, you're talking about Heat LeBron. Heat LeBron weighed two hundred ninety pounds. Yeah. he got he got gigantic. He was, yeah. he, of just muscle. He lost a bunch of weight when he went back to the Cavs, and now he's the Lakers. But yeah, he he got bulked. I think you're discounting the fact that if push came to shove, I. Th- I think MJ might pull a knife out of his sock and stab somebody to win. <laughs> if, and now, I, here's the thing. If Gary <laughs> Krause said that LeBron was winning that game. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, LeBron was LeBron be screwed. He'd be screwed. All I had to Jerry do is Jerry Krause say, like, hey, I really like this LeBron kid. And Michael Jordan's like, man, Jerry Krause said that he liked LeBron. I have to kill him now. MJ Krause would just, just make up something. Yeah. <laughs> if Jerry picked MJ to win the game, MJ's gonna lose on oh, yeah. purpose. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right about that. The, oh my god, amount, that is that is the buddy of mine and I had this conversation about like if it's time machine or not. Time machine is different than Michael Jordan born in 1991 in, instead of 1960 or whatever. Right. Because LeBron spends over a million dollars a year on his conditioning. Sure. Literally, he said he said he spends over a million dollars a year on his workouts and conditioning and nutrition. How he eats. He's not going out drinking eats. every night. Whereas Michael's <laughs> smoking cigars before games. Yeah. Like, going out and gambling all night, yes. drinking all night. Can you then imagine if Charles, Barkley, if Charles Barkley had these resources and everything? Right. Charles would – Draymond would be very quiet if he had these resources. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you look at Michael Jordan didn't start lifting weights until like 1989. Yeah, yeah that's the wildest thing. I was like, wait a minute, he didn't lift weights before? And and Bowden now lift weights either. And now Bronny, like LeBron's sons, have been lifting weights since they were coming out the womb. Right. Yeah. So they so were the time machine. One pound weights in their hands. To me, the time machine is a joke. Like people are like, oh, if you if you took the 98. 97 Bulls and put them in a time machine. They could beat any team from any era. I'm like, are you kidding me? The 2017 Warriors would yeah, yeah. wax. Well, that, that's the thing. Like, you can't just time machine it. Like, if you do that, yeah. you have to be like, okay, here's three years to figure out how the game is played now. Then you exactly. play. <laughs> like, yeah, you got you got you got to pick the rules. You got to pick the yeah. length of the three point line. You got to pick what basketball they're playing with. I mean, yeah. there's so many small intricacies. Like. I mean, and, and nowadays basketball is so analytics driven that everything is the most efficient shot you can take. You, you know? realize that they did a in twenty sixteen, I think, the year that the that the Cavs came back from a three one deficit to beat the Warriors in the finals. That playoffs, they did a tracker on Steph Curry, and in the first three games of the Western Conference Finals, he averaged running over a half marathon. 
That's wild. A game. Here, here's something I just recently uh, discovered is it, I caught the very tail end of Larry Bird's career, and I thought of Larry as a shooter. This guy, you know, he could shoot the three ball and all this but stuff. But he couldn't run. Dude, he averaged like three three-point shots a game. Right. <laughs> they just didn't shoot the three. It's so crazy. It's, no, it's not a, at all. I mean, you even look at it when, when Charles was playing at Auburn, they didn't even have the three-point line yet. Right, right. Like, like the three-point line didn't come until the late '80s, you know. I think Jim well, I think Jim there was Dalbano. One point in Barkley's career where he set a like uh, NBA record for most threes and a half, and it was four. Yeah, yeah. We like, talked about this last week. Didn't we talk about how he took Charles took like 300 threes one year, and yeah. Steph made 400 last yeah. year. Yeah, he made 400 threes. <laughs> We're talking, talking about like listening to the Simmons podcast. The wildest thing they touched on from an analytics standpoint is. The number of shots has not gone up from the '90s, right? Like the teams are taking about the same number of total shots, but the number of available rebounds is nowhere near what it was in the '90s. Yep. So guys like Rodman wouldn't be, wouldn't be getting 21 rebounds because there just aren't 21 rebounds to get because everyone is making all of their shots. Guys yeah. now just shoot an unreal percentage. Yeah, that it's it's really wild to go back and watch some of these old games. And you're just sitting there watching, and you're like, you'll you'll watch for like 20 minutes, and you're like, wait a minute, there's like taking one three this entire time. Hey, like, Shaq, go get in the pick and roll with Penny Hardaway yeah, one time, yeah, please. Yeah. What are we doing? I mean, and then you look at it too with like just like the resources. Uh, you know, the one thing that everybody still has from the from the 80s and 90s is the gun. You know, shooting on the sure. gun that'll pass it back to you. But like yeah. when when by the time that I was I was leaving, like my senior year at Auburn, we had this thing installed in our practice gym that would like read out like your shot arc and like yeah. where wow. in the rim you're shooting, <laughs> and like we're analyzing what the like the ideal shot arc is and what your best spots are, and we're you know they're running plays and we're designing things just based on where you shoot best because we have the technology now where everything is broken down to a science. You know and, how much of a maniac Michael Jordan was back then. Imagine what kind of maniac he would be now with all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, all the computers. He, oh my god! Can you imagine Michael Jordan with Twitter back then? Oh, no, see, that's <laughs> he the thought he took everything to heart then. Oh, oh man, he, he wouldn't have had to make things up. <laughs> he'd have a wall behind him. He'd just be marking people's. Would names he have a way. subtweet battle with or burner account battle with KD? You know I was going to say the same thing. Do you know how dead Joel Embiid would be? Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I he saw would a tweet say one thing like, "I'm scoring a hundred points on Joel Embiid this week." <laughs> I saw I saw a post today. It was what modern day NBA player would Michael Jordan hate the most, and it just listed off like KD, Steph, LeBron, and it had guys like Embiid, Chris Paul, like, and I just I was going through like it has to be Embiid. It has who, to be Embiid. Who talks the most? Embiid. He talks a lot of trash, and he hasn't won any titles. Patrick That's, Beverly. Oh, imagine Patrick. I Beverly think he would saying, like Patrick Beverly. I think he would want Beverly on the team. He, he loved, would Beverly be a bull. He loved Allen Iverson. So, yeah. It, yeah. you know, it's it's not going to be any guy that talks trash and then goes out there and and backs it up. Yeah. Uh, it, it it's going to be like Embiid, who does back. Or it, it might up, be KD because he's. He, I don't think he's going to. He would soft. respect KD. He's soft. He's soft. Going going to the to the Warriors and no, making he, the greatest team of all time. The greatest team of all time that can only exist because of an anomaly in the salary cap and because now, KD. Now it's here's the weirdest. Here, here's a question. If KD ends up on a team with Michael, does KD just quit basketball forever or does he become a better player? 
I think he becomes a better player. I don't think because he really just wants to play basketball. Does he get punched in practice though? Yeah, now like Carl Anthony Towns, I don't think Carl Anthony Towns could put up with Michael Jordan in the same way that he didn't really love Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I think I think and Andrew Wiggins, I don't think he could handle Jordan. But I think I think guy like Durant just wants to just wants to play basketball. He keeps saying over and over again, (laughs) which is not necessarily true, but it's what he keeps saying. uh, All right, this is good ball talk. We go forever, but I don't want to go longer (laughs) than an hour. Yeah. Thomas, thanks for coming on. Chief and Ryan, always a pleasure. See you next week. See you next week. We'll hire him.